Welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. I'm Jason Richmond, a fourth generation road builder that started on a shovel and now serves as the chief operating officer at BuildWit. This is the Area Dirt World Summit Series, where we will dig into the construction world, exploring the challenges, successes, and strategies that shape exceptional leadership and builds a thriving workforce in the dirt world. Join us as we sit down with some of the brightest minds and trailblazers in the construction industry. Our guests are leaders who have navigated the trenches, built businesses, cultivated strong teams, and fostered innovation to build the infrastructure that shapes our world. From technology, equipment, suppliers, and contractors, their experiences and insights will inspire and empower professionals at every level. I'm excited to introduce our next guest, Matt Williams, CEO and co-founder of Triaxle, a seasoned entrepreneur spearheading a revolution in construction industry logistics. Under his guidance, Traxel is a purpose-built network that brings industry-specific needs and haves together in conjunction with intuitive in-app tools, connecting contractors, construction retailers, equipment rental companies, and more. With a focus on streamlined communication, collaboration, and resource optimization, Matt's vision is powering an innovative approach to industry efficiency and productivity. Matt, welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Where are you calling from today? So I'm in a little town outside of Scranton, PA called Dalton, Dalton, Pennsylvania. Beautiful. East Coast, East, Eastern Standard Time. We're calling nice and early this morning. We got we got Harrison up out of bed early, which is fantastic. So. <laughs> it's good for him. <laughs> exactly. All good. All good. Well, hey, uh, you know, in my intro, you hear I come from the dirt world, started on a shovel, worked my way up. Love to hear. How did you get into the dirt world? Give us give us the scoop. It started off in high school when I had when I first got my license when I was 16. I I was always active, always kind of like tinkering around the house. My father had a, a garage full of tools that I would steal and, and destroy on him. And uh, it kind of just started off a, a need for some income, some spending money in high school. So when I first had my license, I f- was able to get a job. I think it was like my mother connected with me, connected me with a like a family friend of a friend. And I started off... Uh, working at an apartment building complex that was being developed in a town called Old Forge. Started off sweeping floors, didn't know anything about it, just was there for some cash flow and uh, started off sweeping floors, pulling wires. Basically, I was the laborer. I was the grunt doing whatever I was told to do, 16-year-old kid. And, and, I, and I enjoyed it. I liked it. I was a young guy on a job site with with guys that range from, you know, probably early 20s up to 50, 60 years old. And at 16, you, you get a, a lot of knowledge from those guys <laughs> on a, on a, while you're off for school for the summer, listening to their stories and, and how they go about their day and, and how they got into business and everything. So it was fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the atmosphere. I liked being around the, the scene and you know, seeing the problems come up and how they got handled and fixed them and, and some of the different ways. It was a whole new world, you know, coming from, you know, my little bubble of my friends and my family and school and then getting into this, like, it was like a big boy business, you know, and I'm just a young kid and it was cool. And uh, they beat me up pretty good. They worked <laughs> me hard and I went back the next year and I just kept asking for more. So th- that's kind of how it all started. That's fantastic. Yeah, I can I can relate. Starting on a shovel, my my first year, eighteen years old, I had no clue what I was doing, uh, but I was working for my dad, and and the only thing I could do was I could show up on time, I could work hard, I could have a great attitude, and uh, you know I can remember one of my big jobs was going to get lunch, 
And man, I took it real serious. I made sure I got the order right. Because <laughs> if I didn't, I paid hell. Oh, yeah. I was the coffee guy. For sure. <laughs> Fantastic. So, you know, starting up, it sounds like your first business, first love prior to Triaxel was your contractor yourself. Yes. So it started off, uh, I went to one year of college at Montana State, and it just wasn't for me, nor was, nor was high school. I was just the guy that, like, I couldn't sit still, couldn't sit down. I didn't feel I was gaining much from, the, from sitting at a desk. So all from my first job all through high school and then my summer between high school and college, I worked construction. I ended up, you know, working with a couple of different companies and just kept wanting to know more and learning more. And by the time I was in college, I was, I spent half my time remodeling somebody's basement in Bozeman, Montana, instead of going to class. And it's just where I fit in. It's just, it's just what I did. Um, so I ended up leaving there, kind of decided, you know what, school is not for me. It's just, it's, I'm kind of wasting my parents' money. They were generous enough to send me out there. Um, but it just wasn't for me. And I made the decision to maybe take a year off and try something out. And, and here I am today. So started off in business as a roofer. That's what I was getting a lot of work for. That's what I was doing at the time. And uh, started off as a roofer. And yeah just kept working my way up. We started doing light carpentry and then we would do siding. And then we started doing some additions, rolled into doing some new construction projects, houses, um, light commercial stuff. It just kind of kept evolving as people recognized that we were dependable. We did good work. You know, they kept asking for more services and we kept expanding our, you know, our, our offerings. Um, it eventually led into a dock building business, which has been very successful around Northeast PA. We build um, fresh, we build docks and boathouses on freshwater lakes in our area. So we, we have a pile driver, we have a crane, they're both on barges, and we travel around and put the poles in, and then we build the, the docks and the boathouses off of them. That's been a huge niche for us. Um, that's still, that's the only thing I still have construction-wise at this time. My foreman, Casey, runs that for me, does a phenomenal job. And we have a we have a great reputation, and and it's cool, you know. You go out into yeah. the water, and there's just an empty mass of water, and then a couple of weeks later, there's a there's a dock or a boathouse on top of it. So, yeah, it, it's a neat business. Something real quick that just you know, want to jump in real quick for anybody that's out there listening. You know, I've got a kid that doesn't sit still. He's 12. He loves construction. He loves iron. Loves watching it. You know, um, school sitting in a chair all day long probably not his most favorite thing to do. Super smart, though. Loves math. Really good at it. You know, likes to get things done. You know, give him a list of things. He'll check them off the list. No problem. So, you know, we'll get into workforce development later. But I do think it's super cool that, you know, high school and college wasn't necessarily for you. But damn, look at you now. You know, you've built a business. Where did that entrepreneurial spirit come from? Because, you know, there's a difference between going to work for somebody and then working for yourself. And so did you have any of that entrepreneurialism in your family or how did that come about? So my father owned a industrial supply business that he had taken over from his father. Uh, my mother, she was a, she was a vice president at MetLife. So she was an entrepreneur, but she was very people oriented and managed. You know, she had 300 people under her at one point. Um, so between the two of them and her business sense, you know, I don't know that I, I definitely got a lot of advice and, and, and pulled a lot of it from them, but I think <laughs> my wife and everybody else around me tell me, I just like doing stuff my way. And that's just the way it is. Um, you know, I just always love the challenge. 
yeah. wanted more. Some things that, that, you know, some people would say, I'm done. I'm like, well, that was too easy. I, I, what's, what's the next one? Yeah. So that's kind of like the driver. It's always seeing the challenge in front of you, reaching it, you know, meeting that goal and then moving on to the next one. It's, it's like a mental, it's a mental challenge to keep, you know, keep doing better and keep, you know, pushing yourself to, to achieve more. That's kind of what does it for me. Yeah. So you've got this construction business, which you're building docks on a lake, which I think is just super rad in and of itself. Um, what in the world made you think bigger? What made you move on to triaxle? Like what was the transition from what you were doing to what, and I know you still have that business, but what, why, why did you get into the triaxle business? So Triaxel came, so real quick, like along with the dock building, we were building homes. We had a crushing and screening operation. We had, gotcha. a, land, we had a landscape supply yard business. So I had a bunch of different businesses all under the construction industry umbrella. And they all kind of happened because we saw, saw a need for something in our area or saw an opportunity. And, you know, we, we did a lot of excavating, a little bit of paving and we needed materials. So the quarry, we had a very small quarry operation. So that fit in because we were able to provide ourselves with materials, provide the materials to our landscape yard. So everything kind of, you know, there was different areas, but it was all construction. And how Triaxel came about was, going back years and years ago, we, I built a house in 2010. And this is the first time that something really like clicked in my brain. We built a house and I think we hauled off like it was like 75 to 100 triaxle loads of dirt. We had to haul off the site because there wasn't room on site to distribute it and spread it out. It only went a few miles down the road to a farm, which, you know, four or five miles is not that big of a deal. But literally we got done hauling and it was like the next day, this guy comes walking up to the site and he's like, Hey, I live, I, I own the property right there. Like you could throw a rock to it. And he's like, any more fill that you guys have? I need a ton. I'll take everything that you have. And I'm sitting there and that was the first time the light bulb went off. You know, had we known each other's needs I, that I was getting rid of this and he, and, and then there was visibility and he knew that this project was happening and that this material was leaving. I could have solved his problem. I could have saved myself thousands of dollars chucking it away. And, and that was kind of the first time I was like, man, there's, there's gotta be a better way. He should have known that I was, that I was doing this and there has to be a more visible way to, to communicate these things. So I kind of just blew it off, you know, thought about it for years, always for years, for 10 years of just waiting for somebody else to do it. When's this going to happen? Who's going to do something? So 2016, 17, I really started like thinking um, we've got to do something to, to better network clean fill in our area. So by 16, 17, you know, we were doing excavating work. Um, maybe a little bit of paving at that time might be a little bit early for that. But every time we moved to a different area, even within like a 10, 15 mile radius of our shop, you know, dropping the fill at different sites became a challenge, or you'd have to haul it back to another site that you knew about. And it's, it's costing you tons of time that day. So I started thinking about a way to create a local clean fill network. And what started off you know, as an idea for a, a local website in Northeast PA to do this eventually over the years through different, you know, reasons and, and the way things kind of just happen, it turned into, Hey, um, the internet is not 
you know, there's no borders. It doesn't have to be constrained to Northeast PA. So this can be, this can be bigger. This can be a nationwide or a worldwide, you know, clean fill network. And then as we started really digging in and looking at the platform and the logistics, we, you know, it, it became apparent. And a lot of this is through Doug, my partner, you know, his outside vision um, that came to it. There's, there's so many other problems. There's so many other issues. And if you're going to have the platform and users and people are signing up, why, why stop at just one problem? So we kind of started looking at all the different areas that this could help. And, um, it kind of just snowballed and, and became what is Triaxle today, where you can, you know, you can network clean fill, which is huge and it's powerful and it can save you thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on a big project. But also you can find somebody to, you know, you can find a concrete subcontractor. You can find somebody to do your paving, somebody to do your trucking. You can sell a piece of equipment. You can buy a piece of equipment. It's basically the construction industry network with tentacles that that kind of reach every area of of the of the business, whether it be on the marketplace side or the collaboration side. So it kind of just evolved into what it is today, and we launched this year, and um, we're, we're super excited for it. We're really happy with the traction that it's getting, but it's all still, it's a big beta. It's a big yeah. test. Like we don't, you know, we, there's no way we're going to nail this the first time and, and everyone's going to love it. So as much as we do have a lot of positive feedback and it's going very well, the next, even the next couple of years, it, this is a test. This is a test to see what our users want, what we can do for them. Maybe what we developed that just, maybe it's not, a, maybe it's not working and we need to, to go a different direction. So it's kind of just now we're the concept is there. We're, we're proving the model and we're, we're tweaking it to our users needs. And, uh, hopefully over the next couple of years, we get it dialed into something really great. Yeah. That's really smart. So much, so much there. I can't believe you sat on the idea for 10 years. It was a long time because I'm not a tech guy, yeah, you know, sure. like I, I'm the yeah. guy, like when this computer's not working, I want to throw it all out the window because <laughs> it just, you know, it's just not my thing. Like when my printer doesn't print, I, I you know, it's just, uh, I want to just like smash it, but it comes down to delegating and, and, and working with the right people. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not a tech guy. My brother, my brother is now we hired a firm to develop this app for us, um, but he's the one that is able to understand more of the lingo and what's being discussed and, and what's being talked about. So, you know, I come from the industry. I knew what I would have wanted and what I would have appreciated and the, and the tool that I would have. And just because I wasn't the guy to actually code it and put it together, you know, it, it still is working out well. My industry knowledge, Doug has some business, you know, background and also an outside perspective. And he's very smart with the technology. So bringing us in our heads together and then working with the team, you know, we hired a, an app development firm to build the app. So bringing that all together, um, it, it's been a, a great, great team of people to, to really bring this to life. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I did listen to your podcast this year, which we can get into that, but, um, I realized that Doug was your brother. I'm curious, you know, we run on EOS and with EOS, there's a visionary and an integrator. So somebody who's kind of seeing where they're going and where they want to go and how they're going to get there and the problem that they need to solve for. And then there's somebody who's actually making it happen. Would you say you're more of the visionary and Doug is more of the integrator? Or would you say that you're both 
kind of straddling both sides of it? I think we kind of straddle both. I yeah. mean, the the initial idea for Triaxel was mine. You know, I was that was I was the visionary with with the network, and now that then then he kind of you know came in and helped integrate it and help bring it to life. But now he has a lot of the forward thinking ideas. He's the one, you know, and his brains never stop. And he's, he's like three years ahead on our development right now. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, why don't we see how this goes first? You know, but that's, it's a, it's a great combination. And where I maybe like my vision, you know, ends and my creativity maybe falls off a bit, then he picks up. So it's been a great back and forth. I've never had a partner in all the, all the years I've been in business. I never really wanted one. Um, and I, I really like working by myself, but now like the, the, this partnership is, is so powerful because we can bounce back and forth off of each other. So, um, I, I honestly, I think we're splitting it up. You know, I, I think it's kind of like right down the middle on, yeah. on one side and you know, we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But, um, well, there's definitely trust and transparency, lots of conversations and figuring out what's next. You know, if you try to satisfy every customer out there, you're going to have a really tough time. So staying focused and, you know, prioritizing and executing and picking those battles. You know, I can't imagine what that war room conversation is between the two of you of figuring out, okay, what do we really need to solve for today to make sure that we're delivering for our customers? There's a big wish list, I'm sure, but you got to stay focused. You do. And it's tough. We're a small business. We're bootstrapping this. We're doing this ourselves. And, Obviously, you know, we would like to monetize this and make some money off it someday, but we're playing the long game. And the goal is to make this the best that we can and and really do something that we feel is going to do great things for the industry. And it's hard to balance it because we do have some monetization tools in place that we, we could flip the switch tomorrow and have and have a little bit of revenue coming in. But we don't feel we're ready. We feel like it's not the time. Our customers aren't ready for it. This is a whole new tech. Like we're, we're trying to sell them a brand new tool and give them a brand new tool. And, and, um, you can't charge for that prematurely. So there's a lot of patience that comes in while basically funding this and and bootstrapping this. (laughs) And you guys know how expensive it is to run a business. Um, but, but, you know, I even sent him a text last night. We have a big update dropping today. It's 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 a really big deal to Ooh. us, and we're really looking forward to it. I texted him last night. He said it's not going to happen overnight, man. Like it's <laughs> we're going to have to ride this out. But um, just trying to always do the right thing and follow the right steps and and play the long game and make sure we're 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 setting ourselves up for success instead of trying to take the quick, yeah, you know, get the, get the quick the quick buck. And, yeah, and, and so. Something that you said, I want to kind of just bring up, um, you know, I I say this quite a bit, but like one of the things I love about what you're doing is it's for the dirt world by the dirt world. And what I mean by that is like you're a small business and there are lots of customers that are out there that have a choice of who they want to do business with. And I wish that, you know, as we continue to evolve and solve problems in the industry, as these new businesses are formed from within the industry, we should be supporting each other and using those businesses that are coming up within, 
you know, each, each organization. So, you know, as, as listeners are out there considering, you know, options for this, yeah, you've probably got enough money. You can go and develop something on your own or go try to find a different solution or, you know, whatever, but this is built for the dirt world by the dirt world. Somebody that's grassroots right here, you know, hope that they'll, you know, as you're leading change, I hope that they'll embrace it. And, you know, that's, that's something that we are, experiencing in the dirt world right now, like no other is the innovation, the technology, the communications, you know, this evolution, uh, is really starting to happen right now. So just putting in a plug for your small business. I hope people will, you know, really, uh, consider using it, just knowing that it's coming from within. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I think what, what is setting us up for success and, and the success, for our users to really benefit from this is the fact that, you know, we are a small company. I'm from the industry 20 years. Um, I, you know, we, we kind of say all the time, like, you know, Silicon Valley, it's where most of the tech comes from. They, they could have built this app, but they can't build this app. They can't build what we did because they would build what they think the dirt world and what the construction world wants. And I built what I would have wanted. So I think we have a huge advantage there. And, and yeah, I mean, small business yeah. is the lifeblood of our, of our industry and our, and our country. And, um, yeah, there's obviously there's some really big players out there, but they didn't start off as big players. You That's know, right. every, everybody started off at the bottom. So hundred um, percent. Yeah. We're excited well, to. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so tell me just real quick. I'm kind of curious. We've talked a little bit about it. I think people have a general idea. Where do they find it? How do they download it? Is there a cost? Is there not a cost? I thought I heard you say that you're in beta, so I'm not sure what that means. You know, really just like this is an opportunity kind of position. Like if people's out there listening and they're interested in learning more, what do they do? Okay. So you can go to triaxle.com and on triaxle.com, you can see the about us kind of get a brief overview of what the app does. Basically we connect you anything that you need or have in the industry. We can connect you with somebody that has, has the, the match has the solution for you. We also have some pretty cool and pretty basic project management tools where you can actually, um, you know, organize your job sites. Let's say you have 10 different projects going on. You can create a, a job site within Triaxle for each one of those, and you can communicate with your, your employees, your subcontractors. You can upload your job site photos there. So every project basically has its own folder within Triaxle, and you're tracking the, the progress of that job and, and the documentation of that job specifically under each one. Instead of going to your iPhone and having to scroll through a thousand pictures to find one, you just go to Triaxle, Mrs. Jones's pool install, and boom, and you find that right there. So that's pretty cool too. So triaxle.com, you can you can get the visibility, but it doesn't have the full function of the app. If you want the experience, just go to your app store, Android or Apple, and simply just search Triaxle and download it. Totally free to use. There's no in-app purchases at this time, so you can download it. Um, you, you must be a business. You know, you can, you can be an employee of a, con, of a construction company and go in and check it out, but this is a contractor-to-contractor contractor app. It's not like an Angie's List where we're connecting you with homeowners. This is a B2B or business-to-business business app, um, and you can download it. It takes you about less than five minutes to fill out your profile, you know, put in your company information, upload some photos, and you're off and running, and you can start searching and see what it is. And I would encourage anybody, anybody in the business, whether you're moving dirt, you're pulling wires, you're putting in utilities, download it and check it out because 
what we keep finding is as people download this and, and we talk to them, they're like, wow, we, we just thought this was for clean fill. This is so much more. It's so much more. And, and that's the message that we're trying to get out that the initial idea was to network the fill, but, but we're utilizing our platform to basically connect everything in the industry. So it's pretty cool. So what's the geography of, you know, from a reach standpoint, you know, is it, is this for anybody in the U S is this just for Eastern, you know, Pennsylvania? Like how does that work? So right now it's available to all of North America and, and that's what we're, that's what we're at marketing to. So we have a handful of Canadian users, primarily us users. We actually have one in Australia, which is pretty cool. So basically anywhere, any English speaking country, um, can download it and can use it and you know it's you know it's available in the app store but we're not marketing or or pushing it to those areas so right now our focus is the united states and right now uh eastern united states my local network really helped this thing kick off when we launched in january and if you look at a map uh, if if you look at the map of triaxel the eastern uh, portion of the United States Northeast is is really blowing up. The map is extremely saturated. As you get out into the Midwest and the West, it's you know there's a couple of profiles sporadically. But um, our goal is to market to to the United States first, and then and then continue to go from there. We welcome users from everywhere. We're just not at this time helping to market your area and helping to grow your network the way we are in the United States. And what we're going to do is focus on the East coast first and kind of just keep growing and building that network and, and testing and, and getting user feedback. And we welcome everybody from all across the country, but our focus for the rest of this year is East coast and Southern, you know, the Southeast. And then next year we're going to start really like kind of focusing our efforts and our marketing and our, and our visits to go see some of our users, you know, heading out the other direction, heading out West. hundred percent. I did notice on your website, Hats, hoodies, and T-shirts. Everybody's mm-hmm. into the swag. Looks yep, like we got, got some swag. You got some swag. So if you like the tracks or logo and uh, want a hat, hoodie, or T-shirt, looks like you can go grab some of that gear as well. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's on our website. You can go to the gear link, or there's also a link on our Instagram page. On Instagram, we're triaxel uh, underscore app, and I think that's what we are. Yeah, um, cool. But they can they can get it there as well. So right appreciate on. that. All right, I got to ask a simple question. I was checking out uh, your Instagram and looking through some stories and whatnot. I just, just as a fan, like I want to know more about the truck. It's badass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is that? It so it's an F three fifty. Yeah, it's an F three fifty, and uh, it we had a pretty sick wrap put on it last year. And that was kind of tough. I timed that. So it, it's got an awesome wrap on it. It stands out. You cannot miss me. There is no hiding. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I can't go through town without people calling me or texting me saying, whoa, can't miss you anymore. That's kind of the point. I don't want you to miss me. Um, and we actually have something else that we got a little trailer that we put together that's going to be coming behind it pretty soon that you're also not going to be able to miss. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, but that was, you know. We're a small company that, that wrap, the cost of the wrap is the cost of a billboard for one month, you know, on a major U S interstate. So that drives all over. I just was down in Bethany beach two weeks ago and I had somebody text me. They were behind me on the highway in, in, in Bethany beach, actually a local, uh, salesman from an equipment dealer up here. He said, can't miss that or, or whatever he said. <laughs> so, Hey, it's, it's phenomenal advertising. Um, yeah. and you can't beat it. And, I'm driving around all over and it's just a mobile billboard. Yeah, that's incredible. 
Well, hey, uh, we all know what's going on in the construction industry. Uh, we've talked about it. We've talked about the problem of, you know, natural attrition is starting to happen. Uh, you know, they say by 2031, 40% of the industry is going to retire. Uh, you know, this year alone, we need to be bringing in 560,000 new people. Uh, you know, it's so as we've been looking at the problem and the challenge, there's a lot of people that are trying a lot of, you know, stuff. And a lot of people are doing some really cool things. Um you know, what I want to get into next is leadership and workforce development. And, you know, the reason that we want to talk about leadership is because it takes somebody that's really investing in their place, creating, you know, that education, that training, that learning, that caring for, you know, spirit, culture, environment where people want to be, uh, you know, in order for us to attract that next generation, they've got to want to come into it. So, you know, from the construction industry, from your perspective, you know, what qualities do you believe, you know, make a great leader and what do we need to be doing from an industry standpoint to really bring in that next generation? Well, we could go on that for a couple hours, I think, but we'll try and keep it short. So I think part of, I think as a boss over the years, you know, my, a lot of my employees respected me. Uh, obviously, some just didn't. You just can't get along with everybody. But I think leading by example. And the way I tried to do it was showing my guys I was always willing to do whatever I asked them to do. You can't just stand there and point and say, do this, do that, which I think just loses a lot of respect instantly when you start doing that. So if there was a problem or there was a sewer line that had to get put together, like I just jumped down and do it. I, I would never like barked orders. I kind of would say, hey, get out of my way. I got this. I don't want you to do this because this is my deal. And if somebody's going to get messy or whatever, like, I, let me do it. I don't, I don't care. Um, but I don't know. I think over the years, I definitely, you know, I, I don't know that I'm the best example of a leader. I, I'm trying to be trying to be better. Um, but just being a human and, and, and being personable and, you know, I, I genuinely cared about all my employees and their, their families and, and, you know, when you work with a small company, a small business, like you are, you're an employee and, you know, you have that culture of a, like a small business. When you get up into the corporate world, you get into a company where there's tens of thousands of employees, you kind of get lost. So I think it's important to kind of stay grounded and, and understand what you're asking your people to do, you know, and the way you're, you're asking them to do it, like, Number one, is it the best way? And two, would you feel comfortable doing that yourself? Whatever it is, if we're talking about a safety issue or a production, you know, standpoint, um, I think just really kind of stepping back and putting yourself in their shoes helps 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 you lead and helps you, you know, encourage them to be better. And and yeah, and the problem coming up that we all we're experiencing now just even in the past couple of years the shortage and it's been it's been an employees market they can kind of really pick where they go and what they want to do um we all know what's coming and it's only going to get worse so us as leaders what can we do can we just stay you know bullheaded and kind of just keep going the same direction you can't it's up it's up to us to kind of adapt and pivot and start changing our ways to to encourage this next generation coming in and you know i don't know if i'm answering your question now but i i I, I like to tell people like i've spent 15 10 15 years since smartphones became a thing telling all my employees and all my guys get off your phone 
get off your phone, get off your phone. And now I'm walking around saying, get on, get on your phone, get on my app, get on my app. <laughs> so, but, but really it's, it's funny, yeah. but that's the evolution. That's, that's the, that's how this has evolved. These, this next generation coming up, these younger guys, they, they basically were born with a, a smartphone in their hands and you can't keep it, you can't take it away from them. So you might as well make it work for them. And that's part of our idea and our philosophy with Triaxel is if they're going to have that thing in their hand anyways, might as well be using it as a tool instead of being on Instagram or TikTok looking at videos, you know, use it to find your, your next dump site or find your, you know, find your next contractor that you need to work with. So I think you have to stick with the business fundamentals, but as as time goes on and technology changes, it's up to us as, as the leaders to really say, Hey, what can we do to, to adapt to, to what the workers want and, and what, you know, what they need. So I think there's a lot of give and take and, and yeah. as, as business leaders, ultimately you have to say, okay, well, this is how this has to get done, but you also have to start taking some of the insight and really listen to what they want. And, and there's gotta be a bit of a compromise there, I think. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. You know, famous management guru Peter Drucker said that you know innovation and marketing are the two big things that drive every business. And so, when I think about marketing, you know, I think about marketing to drive demand, and then I also think about marketing to connect with potential employees or marketing to drive brand. And so, as you know, as I think about Traxel and what you're doing. Man, you've really been evolving. You've 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 innovated. You've sol- you're solving a problem. You're on social. You've got a website. You're you've now started a podcast, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, podcasting is new to me. I think it's somewhat new to you. And mm-hmm. look at us now. You're hosting one. I'm hosting one. I mean, like we're <laughs> yeah. evolving. We're changing. You know, and so I think that I think that there are people that are doing things. Like we're taking action and trying to figure out how can we meet people where they are because you know, everybody connects differently, whether it's on the phone or on a podcast or in person or whatever that may be. You know, I think that's how we're going to connect with that next generation is making sure that we're trying all the different mediums uh, and giving it a shot. Sure. I think, I think culture has been a big, you know, it's been a big, a big thing, like in the corporate world, in big business, you know, they've promoted it, whether or not they actually implemented it properly is one thing, but they, they've, they've had teams of people pushing for it. I think in small business, especially like in the dirt world, construction world, it hasn't, I don't feel like it's been something that's been very popular or discussed until, until recent years. And now I think the leaders of some of these companies are understanding like, yeah, man, it's, we can have the best equipment and, and the best tools, but if we don't have people to run them, they're, they're worthless. And it's a very competitive market right now. And the companies that are implementing some great culture, having fun. I mean, I like to have fun at work. You know, like work, it's serious business. I got a lot riding on, on this app, but every day I try to make it exciting and fun. And as we start to build the team around us, which right now it's just me and Doug, but as these people start coming in... It, it should be an enjoyable environment. It should you should go to work and, and like what you do. It shouldn't be a miserable experience. And I think that's the difference between some of the companies that you're seeing starting to break out and be really successful. Look at the team. Look at the people. Look at the environment that they have. And, and some of the other ones that are kind of just stuck in their ways, saying, "Ah, nobody wants to work. They don't want to do anything." Well, 
that's your mindset and you're that's what you're showing your guys and you're also showing them that they don't have a big future with you because you're kind of stuck so I, I think culture is becoming a really really big deal as it should be and uh, I think it's great to see some of the different things people are doing to really make it an enjoyable experience and yeah. and you know they're providing for their families and making a living but they're also they have something to look forward to every day too so I think that's a really big deal yeah that's really cool you know, when I listen to you talk and think about you, like you've got a kind of a personal brand and it feels really genuine, really authentic, really connected. Uh, I, I had a, a leader once tell me, you know, never forget where you came from. And, you know, hearing you talk about getting out in the field and, you know, being the example, you know, and things like that. I think that if, if we're truly going to connect with this next generation, we, we can't forget about that. We can't forget about how important it is to, to really have relationships and, you know, get out in the field and care for people and, you know, really understand, you know, see people for who they are and the value that they're bringing and then give that recognition and that communication, you know, to them as individuals and as teams and, and whatnot. So just kind of curious, you know, where do you stand on, you know, that, that type of, of, as we lead into this, this next generation, you know, how do we, how do we encourage businesses out there to make sure that they're getting in the field and caring for their people in that way? I, that's, that's tough. We're in a digital world, even right now, like this, this podcast that we're doing, I've never met you in person. I feel like I know you like <laughs> decently well, um, yeah. but I'd love to meet you in person and sit down. Cause there's just, you can't, you can't substitute a, uh, an in-person connection for, you know, for what we're doing here. As much as technology is awesome, there is no substitute. And I think, you know, getting around and shaking hands and, and, and taking the time to talk with your people, whether you're a company that's got five employees or 5,000, I think getting out there and showing them who you are, where you came from, how it was built, you know, that they're not just an employee number. I, I think that goes a long way. And, 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 not faking it, like being genuine. If you're just out there shaking hands because that's what, you know, your office staff told you you have to do that day, well, then that doesn't work. That's not going to get you very far. But I think the successful ones are the ones that are actually genuinely like their heart and soul are into it. And they're, they're really trying to not only, you know, build their business and, and become, you know, bring a business into the vision that they maybe had 20, 30 years ago and they're finally getting there, but also, you know, help the people that that are helping them uh, along the way. So, I, I think I, I'm I'm very real, very genuine. Um, I kind of speak my mind sometimes too much. You know, <laughs> like uh, I tell my people, I can't lie. I just yeah. I can't. Like I'm going to tell you what I think, and you might not like it, but you heard it from me, and that's just the way it is. And I think I kind of think we need more of that. And uh, you know, there's a lot of social media is is very fake. Everybody's you know putting up these images of themselves, but in real life, a lot of times that's not who you're actually really getting. And I think it's important just to be genuine, real, find your tribe and, and kind of, you know, be you. And that's going to go a longer way than trying to be the person that you think everybody wants you to be, you know? And I think that speaks volumes and, and that'll ultimately take you where you want to be without having to force it, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. I talk about, you know, people are in one of two camps. They're either in protect and defend mode or they're in learn and grow. And, you know, those that are in learn and grow, failing forward, you know, being transparent, talking about mistakes, 
you know, to me, that's the camp that I want to be in. It's, it's, it's the genuine camp. It's the real camp. And, you know, every week at BuildWit, we do this wins and lessons learned. And, you know, I can rattle off a bunch of wins and things that, you know, we've accomplished this week and things I'm excited about. But, man, I have to slow down and really think about those lessons learned because there's so many of them that happen. And it's in the, in the beginning when I first started working here, you know, a little over 18 months ago, it was hard to write about failure. It was hard to write about lessons learned. It was hard to share about that kind of stuff. But the culture here is we talk about that and it's, it's good for everybody. And so, you know, if you're out there in your business and all you're talking about is what's perfect and the wins, you're missing a whole side of your business that you could sure. really be improving. You, you learn more from your losses than you do from your wins. I mean, I, I've been in construction for, for 20 some years and every, you know, I think, I think a lot of like the perception, you know, we have a pretty, pretty well-known name around town, MHW companies. Um, I think the perception is, oh, they're awesome. Uh, you know, like, or some people think that we're not, you know, um, but it, it took a lot to get there and I failed many times, but I, at the time I thought I failed, like maybe I, maybe I lost a lot of money on a job or something didn't happen or I didn't win a big bid or whatever. But what I'm seeing now is I'm getting older, I guess, or, or maybe a little bit wiser is a lot of my losses or failures, they were just lessons and they helped me succeed. And even I like to look at things as stepping stones, like Triaxel is here not because I set out 20 years ago to build an app, but because I was building a construction company that ultimately decided it needed a better way to do things. And that's kind of how Triaxel evolved. And everything to get here was a stepping stone. Um, you know, in 2013, I had a mobile crushing business. We were recycling concrete and asphalt. It didn't go well. My area wasn't ready for it. They, we have too many places to dump materials. They don't want to pay me to recycle it. Had I bought a much bigger crushing operation and was just crushing, you know, bluestone waste to build gas pads, I would have been rolling in it and things would have been great. But I, I, I bought the small I bought too small of a machine and it didn't work out. And, and at the time I was like, Oh, this didn't work out. I sold it. I was like, oh, that's done until I got into crushing like four or five years later. Um, but looking back on it, that was a stepping stone. I wouldn't be here without that. And some of the biggest failures at the time have been some of the best lessons and have pushed me to do it better the next time. Um, so I think you do need to talk about it and you don't like every construction and business in general, it's not all glitz and glamor. Things don't go great. Things do not go great on a construction site every day. It just doesn't happen. So yeah. I think talking about what happened, how you fix it, how you do it better next time, how you do it safer. Um, that's all part of the process. And every day you talk about that, you're, you're helping, you're helping the team get better going forward. You know, absolutely love it. That's a perfect transition to talk about the area dirt world summit that we have coming up in Houston this October, uh, you know, we got 800 to a thousand people from all over the industry coming in. Uh, you're a big supporter and sponsor. We're super excited to have you there. Just curious, you know, talk to me about a couple of things real quick. One, you know, why did you decide to get involved? And two, what are you most excited about? So I'm really excited. I mean, I've, this will be the first event of its kind for us. And I think this is the first event in the world, you know, so it's, I'm excited to be a part of something new and, you know, it's been great. Most of my conversations to date have been with Benjamin and he's been phenomenal to, to speak with. And I just, I like what you guys are doing. 
Um, you know, I, I've seen the BuildWit name for years. Didn't really know what the mission was. You know, obviously you see a lot of like the media side and that's becoming more clear. And I think you guys are trying to promote that. But uh, I like being part of something exciting, something new. And, and I do think it's, it's going to take a group of companies and a group of guys to really, you know, carry this industry down the road. And you guys are a big part of that. And there's a lot of companies out there that are, that are really trying to bring attention to our workforce problem, to the industry, what infrastructure and what construction does for us, uh, you know, for our lives on a daily basis. And uh, I just think it's the, the movement going on and everything that's happening around the industry. I think it's phenomenal and I'm glad to be a part of it. And obviously I want to promote our app as well. I mean, selfishly, we, we want yeah. to be there and talk about what we can do, but just being around a bunch of forward thinking, motivated individuals that, that want to help, you know, guide this industry into the future, show the next generation, Hey, this is not just like, you know, this is not your, your grandpa's version of, of of the construction world or the dirt world i mean things are ever changing this is exciting industry you can make a very good living at it you can you can downright do extremely well in it if you play your cards right and you're patient enough so i i I just think it's exciting and i'm glad to be on board and i'm looking forward to the speakers that you guys are having and and getting you know some of that education and insight as well but more just kind of chatting and shaking hands and meeting all these people that i see on instagram and on linkedin and actually like getting <laughs> to have a conversation with them i'm looking forward to that yeah no I'm, I'm right there with you super excited about the dirt world you know it's a it's a way for us to unite the industry around leadership and workforce development that's why it was developed that's why it's come together and just like you said we've got some of the best speakers in the world coming in with Jocko Willink and, you know, Joe Hart and Bob Chapman and Marcus Sheridan and Dave Turn. I mean, it's an incredible lineup, um, but I'm, I'm excited about meeting the people too and, and connecting. One thing that we're doing with our sponsorships, you know, such as yourself is, you know, we're doing these podcasts and it's to basically say, hey, uh, let's learn a little bit about who's going to be there before we even get there. And so you can go and check them out on the website. You can go check out their social. You can listen to this podcast, download the app and try it out. And so that then when you show up at the event and you go and you start sitting down to talk with Matt, you can actually have you know a, a more intelligent conversation about what's going on in the world. What are the functions and features you like? What, you know, what, what would you like to see? You know, what problems are you trying to solve for? So hopefully this podcast is, uh, you know, our listeners are out there going, you know, I'm going to go check that stuff out so that when I get there, I can, you know, have that more in-depth conversation. So Matt, I just can't thank you enough for joining us on the Dirt World podcast. We're grateful for Traxel's support at the Area Dirt World Summit and all that you're doing to make the Dirt World a better place. You can visit us at dirtworld.com to learn more about the summit or triaxle.com to get more details and download the app. You can find Traxel on Instagram and Facebook, uh, or you can connect with Matt on LinkedIn or reach out at matt at triaxle.com. Once again, that's matt at triaxle.com. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep leading in the dirt world, building leaders, projects, and communities. Matt, I can't thank you enough for being our guest. I appreciate you having me, man. This was awesome. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you out in Texas. See you in Texas, man. Bye.